Welcome to Crazy Enough to Win. I'm your host, John Grubbs. Welcome to the podcast. Now, today we have a follow-up, well, topic for you. We are going back to Sweden. And for loyal followers, you know that this show has been following Sweden's different approach to COVID-19. And since March, we have been checking in regularly to see if Sweden was right. And I call their approach the canary in the coal mine. Because as you may know, for many years when coal miners would go into deep underground recesses and they were afraid that they might encounter poisonous gas, they would take a canary in a birdcage. And if the gas was lethal enough to kill the bird, they knew that they needed to vacate the premises. They needed to get out of Dodge. They needed to leave the cave or the mine. So as with that example, I believe Sweden is our canary. They are refusing since the beginning to lock down their people. And what I love about Sweden is that they are using gentle nudges to encourage people to be safe amidst a novel coronavirus, meaning we didn't know anything about this in the beginning. And they're saying we trust our people to behave in a way that is responsible, that is adulting. So unlike the USA and many other countries, they did not lock down. So we are in October of 2020. Let's see. Let's check in with Sweden. I have several angles that I'm going to bring this to you today. So this will be a little bit longer than a normal podcast. But I trust that uh, you can consume this in a couple of commutes between home and work. Or if you're on a long trip, this is a, a way to get some information while you are, well, mobile. And it's really cool that uh, followers of this podcast around the world are consuming this podcast mobily more than anything. So thank you for loyal listeners. Thank you for being fans of the podcast. Thank you for all the love that I get through my website at johngrubs.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We are being downloaded on every continent. Uh, We are, well, we're just so blessed to have many fans out there that love this idea of going big, of being crazy enough to win, of going against the grain, of pushing against norm, of being anti-ordinary. So here's the question. What if COVID-19 never goes away? How long are you willing to hide from a virus? And that's a serious question, people. We cannot trust the media in the USA. I've podcasted about that. They have lost their credibility with most people, with most informed people. And I've, I've shared with you multiple times where you can look at multiple uh, sources of news and find a polar opposite uh, narrative to the same reality. So our press is a political arm with an agenda. Journalism in the USA is dead. So I get my data from other countries. 
inform my ideas about the virus and related strategies based on a broad look at the science. And you can't even trust the scientists in the USA because many of the scientists are political as well. So we have been following Sweden on this podcast since March. And I want you to listen to Lucy Johnston in Stockholm, Sweden. Listen to her update. Sweden's coronavirus success is how a nation went its own way to lead the fight against COVID-19. Don't you love that? Going its own way, not following the crowd. That is what this podcast is all about. It's about being different from the ordinary. It's about being uncommon. And Sweden fits perfectly into the narrative of this podcast. And here's what she went on to say. A coronavirus vaccine may work, but it will need years to take effect if it does. And even in the best case scenario, COVID-19 will probably never be truly eradicated. <laughs> I'm starting to believe that. I'm starting to believe that. With these beliefs, it may seem odd to find that Anders Tegnell, you know, he's one of my heroes. He's the epidemiologist in Sweden that has led this lockdown-free approach. He's the architect, they call him, the architect of Sweden's lockdown-free approach to dealing with the pandemic. And he's optimistic. Why is he optimistic? Well, Sweden, especially Stockholm, is in full swing with open bars, live music, smiling, unmasked faces. That's what's going on in Sweden right now. That's because state epidemiologist Tegnell believes that as long as people are sensible, normal life can continue. Let me say that again. Normal life can continue. Don't you just love that? And this is a health official with no political ties to the United States. So agree or disagree, it's not political in the United States with respect to the United States. Health officials say they want to treat the Swedish people as subjects, not objects, and use clear and sensible advice rather than threats to steer them through. That is right up my alley. You've heard me talk about choice architecture and gentle nudging. Behavioral economists know that that works. When you try to force people into doing things, it just doesn't work. People are going to fight. So Mr. Tegnell says, if any country was following the science, then it would take a different approach. Following the science. And listen to what he went on to say. He said, long-term lockdowns and face masks are not the answer. I can understand some current situations were so bad that they needed to do something, and they felt it was drastically a lockdown. And here's what he said. He said, we were lucky we did not have to do this. But I think when we discuss what have been the best measures and what have been reasonable measures and what have been measures with more side effects and measures with positive effects, it's too early to say. And with an increasingly fraught situation in the UK that has seen rebellions, so the UK, the people in, in England are starting to rebel. 
rebellions in Parliament and science. Listen to what Mr. Tegnell says. He said his approach had the full support of his government, and I never felt under pressure to change course. So listen, the government of Sweden backed Tegnell from the beginning, and they never let up. And he said, we have nice census or consensus among many scientists, the population, politicians, and other agencies, and we believe we are moving in the right direction. Not locking down is the right direction and doing the best we can in a very difficult situation. Isn't that cool? And he went on to say lockdown can be used appropriately in some places for a short period of time. Remember, we were promised 15 days to slow the spread, but most countries agree that it is not appropriate for the long term. We should not have locked down as long as we did, is what I'm hearing from Anders Tegnell. And he said, nor had he succumbed to the pressure from other countries in the EU, the European Union. No, he says, this is a national mandate. <laughs> and listen to what Health Secretary Matt Hancock suggests. I've talked about Matt on this podcast, that infections needed to be controlled, including the use of restrictive lockdowns, until a cavalry comes, a vaccine arrives. And Chief Medical Officer Chris Whitty also said science would eventually ride to our rescue. <laughs> they tried to contradict Anders Tegnell. But here's what Mr. Tegnell says. We don't know when we will have a vaccine. We do know from experience that viruses are very difficult to control or get rid of. And even with a vaccine, we will have COVID-19 for the foreseeable future. So let that soak in a moment. This is from Anders Tegnell. He said, we don't know when we will have a vaccine, but we do know from experience that viruses are very difficult to control and even with a vaccine, we will have COVID-19 for the foreseeable future. He went on to say, this will be one more disease we will need to take into account when we work out how to best protect our elderly and so on. And he was asked if he believed the disease could ever be eradicated. And this is what he said. He said, this is not possible on a global level. We have only ever eradicated smallpox and we never had eradication for respiratory viruses. So a vaccine won't change things in the short term. Even if we had a vaccine early next year, it would take a year to a year and a half to vaccinate the population. We would need a lot of vaccine all over the world and we're not sure whether we can get an effective vaccine or effective drugs as this is difficult disease to treat. So, what about these face masks? What about face coverings? Listen to what Sweden said about those. On face masks, Sweden has also gone it alone. Reasons to believe face masks will make a lot of difference is very weak, he says. We prefer half-empty buses than full buses with face masks. Wow, that makes sense. Social media has been blamed for much of the panic and fake news around the virus. And Mr. Tegnell says the digital world may have played a part in the reaction. What have we been saying? You can't trust the media 
and social media is full of people who are actually neophytes, <laughs> meaning they don't know much at all. So this response may not have happened 20 years ago. He says, we had Asian and Hong Kong flu and we didn't do the same thing. Children's education as well as their mental health was also the forefront of decision making. So he was putting the children first. And you've heard me say this before. I think the people that are gonna suffer the most in the United States are the people with the least. Parents with means are gonna get their children educated. They're going to you know, get private tutors. They're gonna, they're gonna get groups and pods and hire teachers. It's the people with the least that are gonna be hurt the most. And unlike many countries, including the UK, Swedish schools remained open through the entire spring. Yes, through the hottest part of this virus, Sweden schools remained open through the spring. And we knew that there would be side effects of closing schools, he said. Keeping them open is extremely important for our children's health. Wow. And listen to what Karen Tegmart Wizzle said of Sweden's Department of Microbiology. She said, voluntary compliance has been key, combined with continual reports from local authorities and solid communication. We thought it would be easier to be inclusive and treat people as subjects, not objects, and felt this would work for a longer period of time. She says it was, well, important to gauge the impact on any measures on society as a whole and not just on COVID-19 deaths. And you know, if you follow any data-driven sources that we have many, many deaths that are being reported as people who died with COVID, not from COVID. Meaning that if someone, well, there's been crazy cases where someone was in a motorcycle accident and perished and because they were tested positive post-mortem, they listed it as a COVID-19 death. So even the, the numbers that I put the most stock in, which is the fatality rate, are being, well, they're being diluted as far as efficacy goes, as far as reality goes. And listen to what she went on to say. Any measures that we suggest strive to be based in science. And we decided it was important to have one societal complete healthcare approach, not just an approach that looked at the consequences of the pandemic. And she said, we also have to think about, for example, children not going to school and the side effects of a more severe lockdown. She said, we had modelers estimating death numbers, but we decided it was important to take all aspects and bring in different discussions and research to make our assessments. And it was hard to know where we will end up a year or two on death rates as all cause mortality. So she's saying we want all cause, not partial cause. But we needed to think about the consequence of our actions and the side effects. Now, let me give you an aside. I heard something yesterday that I think is interesting, and I'll let you draw your own conclusion about what it actually means. So this is anecdotal. It's not data-driven. But I heard yesterday that the average age of a coronavirus death 
in the United States is 78 years old. Now, any death from COVID-19 is tragic, but the average age of mortality in the United States is 78 years old. Well, did you know that the average life expectancy of someone in the United States is also 78 years old? What does that mean? I'll let you form your own, own conclusion. So back to Sweden. Rising numbers of infections have caused fears of a second wave throughout Europe. And it is that that's led to the local lockdowns in the UK. And they call it a rule of six and a threat of national shutdown. So the UK and other countries, just like the United States, are they're looking to threaten people and to force people and to push people and to shame people. And Sweden says, no, let's trust our people. Let's give them the data and trust them to do the right thing. Hmm. Sounds pretty appealing to me. In Sweden, too, infections are growing. But Mr. Tegnell says, we know this is partly due to increasing number of tests we are doing. That's something you don't hear admitted in the U.S. press very often. More testing more cases. And we are happy that very few of these will in need will need to go to healthcare settings and fewer still to ICUs. So for now this is not much of a worry. So Anders Tegnell is saying, yes, we're getting more cases, but because the severity of the cases are going to be low, it's not as much of a worry. And then you hear on news outlets in the United States, cases, 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 cases. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to correlate higher testing numbers to higher cases. And you know me, I believe that this virus was in our community much earlier than March and that many, many people have had it, gone through it, and survived it without even knowing what it was. And Mr. Tegnell was initially a hate figure among many Swedes, particularly after a large number of people in their nursing home died. And, you know, I totally get that. We messed up in this country. Last statistic I heard that 40% of all COVID-19 deaths in the United States were in our own nursing homes. So we missed it. New York especially missed it. They were pushing people into nursing homes with COVID-19. Can't make this stuff up, folks. But Tegnell's popularity has risen so much that people now display his face on T-shirts and even tattoos. Can you believe that? And I think he will be a global hero at some point in the future for being willing to go big, to be crazy enough to do something different. Now, there has been a price, but it could be worth paying for the future. This is what, this is what the results are in Sweden. As the virus took hold across Europe, Sweden was almost alone in refusing to implement lockdowns. This is from Justin Stoneman. People could go for a drink with a, at a bar with friends. They could eat in a restaurant. They could go to the cinema. They could visit hairdressers or even work out at the gym. And it claimed clear guidance and common sense advice would be the best course of action. Local hospital admissions mounted quickly, as did international criticism to Sweden's stance. And experts claimed 
lives were being put at risk with an experimental approach. <laughs> this is people hating on Sweden. This is people hating on Anders Tegnell for their approach. And death tolls rose in Sweden, and they remained higher than in neighboring countries. Nearly 6,000 lives had been lost. Now, you got to remember, you know, there's 10 million people in Stockholm alone. And that, I'm sorry, there's 1.5 million in Stockholm. There's 10 million people in Sweden altogether. So they've lost 6,000 lives. And that's, that's quite a bit larger than what happened in Denmark. And nursing home patients bore most of these losses, representing nearly 50% of all COVID-19 deaths in Sweden. That's a very sad statistic. But life continued far closer to normal in countries that went for a lockdown. And there have been zero coronavirus deaths reported in Sweden in recent days, compared to 231 in the UK for the same period. So let's say that again. In the last few days, there's been zero in Sweden compared to 231 in the United Kingdom, which had a severe lockdown. What does that mean? And at the moment, Sweden looks to have weathered the pandemic best. Per population, it is now reporting the lowest death rate of any European country. Remember, Sweden never locked down. They are now reporting the lowest death rate of any European country. And meaningful assessments of different response plans will come when longer-term data becomes available. But according to an official report, get this, 75,000 people could die in the UK from non-COVID causes, such as a result of the lockdown. 75,000 could die from non-COVID causes from the lockdown. What do you think that number is going to be in the United States with 331 million people? What's the death rate going to be from the lockdown itself, not COVID-19? And I'm going to go on the record and say that it will probably be higher than the virus. We've had 208,000 deaths in the United States. I think we will have far more from the lockdowns than from the virus. And in Sweden and Europe, thousands more are predicted to die over the next five years as a result of overlooked cancer diagnosis and the impact on health from the recession. Think about how many people are not getting diagnosed because they don't want to go to the doctor. They're afraid to go to the doctor. They've been driven into their homes and they're suffering and they don't want to leave because fear is what they are experiencing. And this comes on top of incalculable impacts from the lockdown. Like the quality of life is arguably as important as its length. And Sweden's approach has certainly not come without a price. But if it provokes a good response among people and if it proves to be right, the country could reap benefits for generations to come. Wow. So what's it like on the streets of Sweden now? What's it like on the streets of Stockholm? Let's say compared to New York or Chicago or any major city that is still living with lockdowns. Here's what they're saying in Sweden. 
we're breaking out. We're breaking out. The middle-aged British couple told me as we walked to Arlanda Airport, Stockholm, after a short flight from London. So you've got British people breaking out of London, going to Sweden. And, uh, and you know, they were there on a holiday. And they had, like many people, become fed up with the clampdown on their freedoms after six months of U.K. pandemic regulations. So people are leaving other parts of Europe and headed to Sweden. And this couple said, we took off our masks. I smiled at the woman behind the passport control screen, and she smiled back. It was a huge relief as I headed for town. Stockholm was busy. No shop front was boarded up and people in the streets mingled a luxury that was taken from Britons, from people in the UK. And it was hard to spot a face mask in this European outlier where people felt the worst has passed. So people in Sweden are not wearing masks and they think the worst of COVID-19 has passed. And the feeling amongst locals was that the Swedish approach was right. Wow. What's, what's your thoughts? And listen to Jacob Zydrich. He's 24 years old. He's a phone shop assistant. He said, during February and March, I have never seen Stockholm so quiet. We carried on working, but we felt like we were the only ones. I was angry with Anders Tegnell. We didn't know what to do. At the start, lots of people hated Anders as there were so many deaths. We were expected to carry on as normal. Now we have changed our minds. So this 24-year-old says many people have changed their mind about the approach Sweden took and about the the epidemiologist Anders Tegnell that led them through the worst of COVID-19. And listen to ex-sailor Lars Sundling. He's 75 years old. Uh, He's on a museum trip, and he said, We have always been free to do what we like, though keep our distance. At the beginning, we looked at Norway and Finland, and they had lower deaths, and we were worried. Now we feel different. (laughs) Pretty cool, huh? And there's also a quote from taxi driver Thayer Ali. He said, my daughter got married in a restaurant last month, and we were 90 people. We were careful to wash our hands. And he said, as a nation, we believe we have to live with this, like AIDS or other viruses. We built emergency hospitals, but they are not used, and we had to take them down. Many children, including my own, have been to school every day, and to sports clubs afterwards. Life is going back to where it was before. Wow. Listen to Eva von Ulrich. She's 76 years old, and she's a former Red Cross manager for policy for humanitarian crisis. Listen to what she said. She said, I felt free the whole time. Anders always said we have to think of this long term. We do not expect a vaccine. We don't have a vaccine for the common cold nor HIV, so this may take a long time. Hmm. 
The message is that we need to cope with this for the long term and not destroy our mental health or our economy. Distance learning is harmful, which is why schools stayed open. We never had catchphrases like stay at home and save lives like the UK did. However, we had daily lessons about the science of the virus and a dedicated internet site for people to look at data. The UK and Sweden are very similar. Our healthcare systems are very similar. And the attitude that we all have to be good now for each other should have been even stronger among British people. You went through the Second World War. You have such a spirit and strong tradition of this than we do. And she said, I, like many others, have always had confidence in our direction. This is a, this is a lady that's worked for the Red Cross in a humanitarian crisis role. And she said, I have always had confidence in our direction in Sweden. We still don't know where it will end, but we know what the outcome will be. And then another shopkeeper joked that the UK lockdown might be good news it, because it was the last time Brits came over here to Sweden to get out or get their hair cut, he laughed. Hmm. So world leaders are catching on to Sweden. And here's, here's my opinion. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I believe the USA will too. So listen to this. Prime Minister Boris Johnson was advised by Anders Tegnell, the man behind Sweden's decision not to impose a full coronavirus lockdown before he rejected tougher new restrictions for the United Kingdom. So Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the UK, is starting to listen to Anders Tegnell as well. I'm sure there's some controversy around that. Uh, Downing Street on Thursday confirmed that a Spectator magazine report that Johnson had been briefed by a series of international experts outside his normal circle of advisors before announcing new measures. And the new restrictions, which included a curfew on bars and restaurants in England, stopped short of much tougher measures reportedly being pushed by his own chief medical advisor. So Boris Johnson defers to Anders Tegnell instead of his own chief medical advisor. <laughs> How cool is that? And among those briefing, the prime minister was Anders Tegnell, the architect of the Swedish government's controversial response to the pandemic. Wow. A spokesman for Boris Johnson said on Sunday, the prime minister took evidence sessions from a number of scientists via Zoom. The prime minister was in the cabinet room when Anders Tegnell was one of the contributors. And unlike its Nordic neighbors and most other countries, Sweden did not impose a wholesale lockdown in response to the initial coronavirus outbreak earlier this year. Instead, it allowed shops, bars, restaurants to remain largely open and students to attend school with the aim of avoiding a second spike in cases later in 2020. And Sweden has gone on to record a much higher death rate than its neighbors since adopting this strategy. So let's, let's just talk about that a moment. You know, nearly 6,000 Swedes have died. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, while just 
200 and something died in Norway. That's from the virus itself. But supporters of Sweden's response, including some corona, well, conservative members of UK's parliament, are pointing to the fact that Sweden is not witnessing a significant second round surge in coronavirus, coronavirus cases, unlike the UK. The UK is having a second spike. Spain is having a second spike. And France is having a second spike. With some scientists beginning to suggest that the country has achieved a sufficient level of immunity for avoiding a second wave. <laughs> so get this, other countries are starting to get on the Sweden coronavirus bandwagon. So is it working? Let's look at some numbers in Sweden. Sweden carried out a record number of new coronavirus tests recently with only 1.2% coming back positive. Wow. And the lowest rate since the pandemic began at a time when countries across Europe are seeing surges in infections. So while everyone else is seeing surges, Sweden is seeing fewer positive cases come back with more testing. And Sweden avoided a lockdown and instead emphasized personal responsibility, social distancing, and good hygiene in a bid to slow rather than eradicate the disease that is deemed here to stay. And the strategy drew fierce criticism home and abroad as deaths shot up in the spring, but who has been lauded by the World Health Organizations as a sustainable model. You're not hearing that in the U.S., are you? That the World Health Organization has lauded Sweden's approach as a sustainable model. <laughs> and the purpose of the approach is for people themselves to understand the need to follow recommendations and guidelines. That was from Swedish Health Agency Director General Johan Carlson. And whereas many countries have had changing rules and lockdown restrictions, Carlson said the Swedish guidelines were designed to be easy to understand and retain for an extended period of time. There are no other tricks before there are available medical measures, primarily vaccines. And the Swedish population has taken this to heart. More than 5,800 people with the disease have died in Sweden, many times higher than its neighboring countries, but lower than Italy, lower than Spain, and lower than the UK. Hospitalizations and new cases have dropped to low levels, whilst countries such as Spain and France contend with surges in infections after they lifted lockdowns. What I'm, what I'm telling you is happening, people, is that there is more herd immunity and population immunity in communities than most people are willing to admit. And that, that is, well, it, it lends credibility to the argument that the virus has been in our community much longer than March. I want to I want to guess that the virus has been in our community since October or November of 2019. That's my guess. Sweden carried out over 120,000 tests last week with just over 13 coming 1300 coming back positive. That's far below the 19% positive tests hit during some weeks in the spring and now has the lowest rate of spread in in the entire Scandinavian region. <laughs> Sweden says our strategy has been consistent and sustainable. We probably have a lower risk of spread here than compared to other countries. 
And the professor of epidemiology at Karolinska Institute, Johan Lutzvigesen, added that Sweden is likely to have a higher level of, immu- of immunity in the population than most countries. I know, I know. Herd immunity, that's like touching the third rail. Population immunity, people aren't allowed to talk about that in the United States. But listen to this epidemiologist in Sweden. He said, Sweden likely has a higher level of immunity in the population than most countries. He said, I think we benefit a lot from that now. And this approach has critics. There are people in Sweden who also are are not excited about this approach. So there you have it. It's October 2020, and we're revisiting Sweden. And remember, this podcast is about going big. And if I had to pick a coronavirus hero to date, I would pick Anders Tegnell. He's gone big. He's challenged not only people in his own country, but the entire world with his approach to COVID-19. And I'm, I'm in awe of the, well, the leaders in Sweden to put their faith in such a man. You could say Anders Tegnell is crazy, crazy enough to win. Until next time.